Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your humble, happy hosts, and we are broadcasting live from lovely, surprisingly chilly Austin, Texas. Julie, my dear, welcome to today's radio show. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, and I am looking for a couple of shout-outs, so just give me a second here. Uh, no but problem. yeah, surprisingly chilly, autumnal, Thanksgiving-esque autumn uh, in Austin, so that's always a nice change. Yeah, so guys, we're going to be picking up where we left off the other day, and we're going to be talking more about the survey results that we sent out. We're going to start with question nine, and again, the survey itself is going to be posted along with this radio show so feel free to download it, use the information however you'd like. I think really what you're and what I'm learning from this radio show for the most part is most of the people that committed or that completed the survey um, either were longtime listeners or they're active members of one of our coaching programs uh, because they seem to have their heads really screwed on straight about what's happening in the market. Um, we had a really good interview yesterday. I don't know if you guys listened to it. If you didn't, please go back and listen to it. But Joe was fantastic. Joe really was willing to share the deep-down secrets, if you want to call them secrets, of what it's taken for him to become successful. What I liked most about his interview was that he came to us when he was still heavily addicted, and that's who the words he used, heavily addicted to buying buyer leads. And he inspired me, actually, for a radio show idea, Julie. We need to uh, work on this one, Twelve, uh, the 12-step process to break the buying lead buyer habit. So. Ah. Like he was. He talked about the fact, and Julie, I don't know, if, actually, you were um, on a conference yesterday, so I don't even know if you listened to the show, but he talked about the fact that, listeners, he was spending $90,000 a year on buying leads, just buying leads in general. That's what his budget was. And when he started coaching with us, he, he discusses how it was really difficult for him to even, after he was starting to coach, after we were teaching him how to go after sellers and not have to buy buyer leads anymore, it's very difficult for him to really break that buying buyer lead habit. He'd become mm-hmm. dependent on it. It was like a security blanket. Um, so even before he felt comfort- comfortable and confident that he could create his own business without buying leads, because remember, well, maybe you guys didn't know this, but Joe had only been in the business for five years. So his whole entire career, he thought it was normal to buy leads. You know, if you'd been in this business for maybe, you know, 10 years, you know that the buying buyer leads and seller leads and all that stuff only came into vogue, if you want to call it that, back about 07, 08 in a noticeable way. So the story goes that, you know, Joe was one of these agents, like many of you listening, that had only been in the industry during the era of the buying buyer leads, you know. And so he thought that was normal. So the idea that it wasn't normal was abnormal to him. And, you know, he wasn't willing to actually stop buying the leads. So what he did, and I love how he describes this, and definitely go back and listen to yesterday's show, is he went and he did a little, you know, he called it a return on investment, an ROI um, test and I, you know, <laughs> frankly, what I call it is a, a, a POI, a profit on investment. You know, so he dug into the the quality of the leads, the number of leads, the cost per leads, the commission he made per transaction, and he figured out that the cost per lead that he was paying and the profit he was making per transaction was just way out of whack. He'd never actually taken the time to do math, and when he said that. It made me wonder, and this is the reason I think I'm going to do that radio show that I told you guys with Julie, how many of you have actually taken the time to really drill down and think about uh, the quality 
let's just not even use the word quality. The real profit you're making for every lead that you buy, assuming you actually have any profit from any of the leads that you bought. When you do that, when you actually take the time to do the math and think like a business person, you're going to quickly conclude that really it's not something you should be pursuing because it really doesn't make any financial sense. The hard part of what I just said is some of you guys don't know how to go about doing a real thorough drill down uh, and understand really the financial ramifications of these leads that you're buying. So again, I think we are going to do a radio show to really go into the math and how in many cases it doesn't make sense. Now here's the irony of it. In some markets, in some price ranges, buying leads does make sense. It depends on really how saturated the lead buyers are. So if there's a billion agents that are buying leads and there's a billion companies that are selling leads, that's probably not a good place to expect to get very, you know, it's probably going to be a waste of time. But if you're in the middle of nowhere and you have nobody else that's buying leads and you'll be the only one in a whole geographic area because nobody else will, you know, commit to it, that might actually be a really good move. So you need to kind of weigh all these things out, and we'll cover that on a future show. But in the meantime, your homework from today's show is going to be to go back and listen to the uh, interview I did yesterday. Hopefully you'll really enjoy it, and always with your feedback. Julie's got a fun email to read, <laughs> and this email is from Anonymous. <laughs> yes, anonymous emailer so some things have been lightly edited to protect well, the let, emailer let's be clear we we know who <laughs> yes. it's from but we're editing we out their personal information so that we don't embarrass them and we didn't tell them we were going to read this email but it's an email that um we chose to read you guys because we think it represents a way or, or a situation a lot of you might find yourself in um especially those of you who are younger the millennials listen tight this is for you right okay so uh, Anonymous writes, hope you're having an amazing Wednesday afternoon. It sure is sunny here in the south. Here I sit listening to the podcast as I do on a daily basis while on your website at the same time. First, let me explain that this has been my best year ever. This is my third full year in real estate, and I will have closed 24-plus buyer sides alone and netted over 100000 and that is with giving over half the commissions to my uh, father-in-law broker, team leader, lead buying professional. Ha! Also, please let me point out that I am in no that I in no way judge anyone, nor am I a negative-minded person. My life is focused around self-development and serving others at the highest possible level. But I digress. For the past three years, <clears throat> excuse me, I have learned from what I thought to be the guru of real estate, his 20-plus years in business, over 1,500 homes sold, and uh, golden tongue, <laughs> tongue, I think, have taught me everything I know, to which I owe everything, and I am extremely grateful. That being said, I've had it. Every time I bring up some, quote, new idea, business plan, or opportunity to be coached by you, I'm told that it doesn't follow the KW model, or of course they said that, they're trying to sell their coaching, or something else that steers us back towards mailing at a cost of $10,000 per month and spending God only knows how much on garbage uh, leads. Our overhead is so high on our family team, it would make you sick. I've treasured what you and your team teach on a daily basis, and I know in my heart of hearts that it will work on a monumental level. But I continue to get objections at every turn and feel so very unrecognized, invalidated, and I just don't know what to do. Understanding the, that what I've been saying so far may sound slightly ego-based, please know that my goal is to help my uh, team leaders so that they don't continue to throw money down the drain on old practices that don't work anymore and to retire them so they can enjoy life. 
they're constantly stuck in the getting ready to someday maybe think about possibly making a phone call and getting started. Um, and goes on to talk a little bit more about the team. And then we continue. I truly don't know what to do anymore. I'm tired of hearing that we have to chase every lead for 25 years until they're ready to buy or sell. Call everyone 97 times until they answer and buy leads because it's all about the numbers. Online leads are one in 100. That and many other things that are just holding us down from helping and serving many more families at a much higher level. Please, what are your thoughts on how to overcome this complacency that we find ourselves stuck in? Anything you could share would be greatly appreciated, and I am so grateful for everything that Julie, you and Julie pull, put out into the world. Your brutal honesty is what people need to hear. As you say, if we're offended, it's because our egos are getting in the way, and your point is resonating with us. Our very best wishes, okay, Julie, Anonymous. Yes. Julie, you get in your studio and fix your uh, mic. I am. And then while you're doing, okay, okay, while you're doing that, I'm going to tell these guys a true story, okay? Okay. All right. So, listeners, I'm going to tell you a true story, and I want to tell you how we know what we know and how we know what we know is actually true. Right? So write this down and remember I told you. This is 100% full disclosure from Julie and I. Aside from the fact that we've been coaching agents since 1998, aside from the fact that we've done hundreds and thousands of coaching calls, all that is true, 100% true. Here's how I actually know for a fact what I'm telling you and what Julie and I are telling you is true. Because we have been there, done that. And here's what I mean. Listen carefully. This is, again, 100% documented the truth. Julie and I started out right out of college, and in college, we had a car cleaning and detailing business, believe it or not. That's how we, you know, Julie and I met in high school. We've been married for 25 years. We're in our mid-40s. We've been literally, we've been married longer than we were not married at this point in our lives. I'm, you know, it's a huge accomplishment for both of us, especially me. What have I had, what I've had to put up for the, with the past 25 years? Oh, my gosh. That's a joke, Julie. I think she hung up. <laughs> She'll come back. Her phone was uh, battery was dead. So here's the thing, guys. When we got started in real estate, we had no previous experience in real estate. We had no background in real estate. We had absolutely no reason to be successful in real estate. We looked like we were 12 and 13. No one expected us to be successful, nothing like that. But in our first year, we sold over 100 homes, 103 if you want to get it exactly correct. Uh, hold, hold on a second. Yeah. So when we sold – when we sold uh, that meant number of homes, we were recognized by the National Association of Realtors. We were sold, uh, recognized by, um, uh, at the time, REMAX, who we worked for. We went on a little – I'm bringing Julie back on. Hey, Julie. I'm here. Julie. Hopefully that's better. Okay, you know, did you hear what I said? I was <laughs> – anyway, you missed a joke. I actually told a joke about oh. you, but it's okay if you didn't listen. Oh, you can't well, it's good that I was dialing back in then. Exactly. All right, so I was telling them about our first year. So listen, long story short, our first year we sold a ton of houses, but we weren't, and we became Howard Brenton stars. We met a lot of you as a result of that. We did a book tour. We did a lot of speaking. All this stuff happened as a result of our first year selling houses. Now, we sold consistently between 100 and 200 homes after that uh, every year. So people ask us, how did for almost 10 years, so people ask us, well, how did we sell that many homes the first year? We sold that many homes. Do the math, guys. This is before even the Internet. This is before all that mass marketing stuff came around. It was right at about the same time that the Internet actually started to happen, that people could, you know, you could buy a, a URL. And by the Internet, I mean the public retail Internet that we all know, not the military version that, you know, goes all the way back. So uh, we did this. We sold that many homes by good old-fashioned, focused on belly-to-belly contacts. That's how we did it. We uh, a lot of expireds, a lot of for sale by owners, tons of open houses. 
We were boots on the street, frontline deployed, doing the heavy lifting every single day. Now, we sold over 100 homes. We went on this tour. At about that time in history, then you started the, – that was the rise of the teams. People started building these teams. They're at, they were probably in, I would say, 94, 95. There were probably maybe only five or six teams in the country. By the time there's 97 or 98 or 99, there was a lot more teams. And so we were in the throes of it. We were going to all these conferences. We were on stage, and people were starting to talk about teams. Then, you know, the Internet really started kicking in. Then all the rest of it happened. And what we did is we followed those trends. Now, remember, our first year in the business, we sold over 100 houses. We had the highest – we had a huge net from the money we grossed. We, you know, put a lot of it in the bank. We saved – we bought rental properties that first year that we still own to this day. So – that happened as a result of our first year. And then what happened is, as Julie and I started to, um, you know, we stayed, obviously we we're in the business years and years past, and we started to do what everybody else was doing. Now, ha, are you guys listening? This is tying into the email Julie read. We started saying what you guys are, you know, what you were experiencing as far as the pressure to build a team. We built a team. We did it. We had a successful team. We sold more houses. We were selling hundreds of houses. Rochelle was a coach for us. She, was, she helped us manage the buyer's agents. We had seven buyer's agents. We had a moving truck. We had a listing special. We had a client care coordinator. This is way before Gary Keller's book, guys. This was actually before Keller Williams became even a dot on the radar. All of we, everyone, So you guys think this is new stuff. It's been around for decades, I'm here to tell you. So here's what we did. We Indeed, we made more money. We sold more houses. We had our pictures everywhere. We got more recognition. We got more awards. We did more this, the other thing, and everyone thought we were all that. And I'll never forget, we were at a Howard Britton conference. This is a true story. I'm giving you guys the unfiltered truth. We were at a Howard Britton conference. Howard would have these retreats every year just for his stars. If you guys remember Howard Britton, God bless him, that being a star, being involved in Howard's organization was pretty much the highest honor that there is in real estate. So there was maybe 100 of us or 75 of us, I don't really remember, at a Ritz-Carlton someplace. I think it was in Mexico. Again, I don't really remember. New York, maybe. So we were at this conference, and everyone was. And we would talk about different things. It was like a big mastermind, really cool thing to attend. And then the topic came up for those of us who had teams, and the topic came up about net, net profit. Now, Julie and I had originally gotten into real estate because it was our intention to build wealth. The things we talk about in our coaching program was an original intent. We had followed the team model selling real estate after not having a team, after having sold 100 houses our first year, after having killer net. But we followed the team model because all these other people told us that's what we should do. Howard Brenton stars were influencing us. All these other people thought, you know, we're telling us, oh, if you guys want to grow, if you want to go to 200, 300 homes, you've got to build a team. We did it for the same stupid reasons you guys are doing it. Because you're being told by people who don't, have never actually stopped to question it. And God bless them. I've been there. I've done that. I know how challenging it is. And here's what I learned at this Howard Brenton conference. And, again, I'll never forget this. I remember the room we were in um, because Howard yelled at me. So we had this <laughs> The topic was about nets. And then all these people that I admired, all these Howard Brenton stars, with a few exceptions, Alan Don being the biggest one, started talking about the net profit that they were making from their businesses, selling hundreds of homes per year, the path we were on, thinking that was a way to get to the you know, Shangri-La. And then I started hearing the numbers, 10%, 15%, 18%. And I just stopped and I thought for a second, holy crap, you're telling me that following this big team model if I sell, if I have a million dollars in GCI, 
that we're only going to make, if we're lucky, 200 grand. And then I started doing more research on it. I started asking more people. I started, and they all said, yep, that's pretty much what my numbers are. You know, some people were maybe 20% or 25%, which, you know, isn't bad, I suppose. But still, those were the numbers. So when you get stuck in this team, this lead buying paradigm, it's a hamster wheel that's almost impossible to get off because here's why. And this is why, Mr. Anonymous, you need to have respect for the person that built that team and understand the situation he's in. Because now he's in a situation, and this is the situation we were in, and this is the situation a lot of these team leaders are in. They have so many mouths to feed. They have so many of these buyer's agents, and they have so many you know, assistants and admins and all these other fixed costs that if they stop buying the buyer leads, just like Joe, remember I was telling you guys about Joe, the interview from yesterday? If they stop buying the buyer leads, it is going to screw up the very thing that they've spent years to create, this team. But more importantly, and this is really truly the hard part, it's going to screw up, it's an ego issue, because they're going to have to then basically retool themselves and reposition themselves and realize that they have built, if their goal was to have profit from their business, if their goal was to be able to reinvest that profit and build wealth, they're going to have to be honest with themselves and say, listen, this team model selling hundreds of houses, doing it the way I've been doing it, buying the buying buyer leads, is actually not producing the same net profit for me had I just basically kept to myself and two assistants. I'll use Joe again as an, as an example. Joe, listen to the interview from yesterday, is going to make about a million dollars this year. Guys, did you hear when he was talking about how much his net profit was going to be from that? His net profit from that is going to be probably about 750 grand, maybe 800. He's going to send me his numbers. So think about that for a second. Joe, with two assistants following our system, makes $800,000. For a team leader in most markets to make the same amount of money net, I can't even do the math in my head. <laughs> I can't. What is it? $4 million. I just did it. They'd have to have $4 million in commissions to have the same net that Joe does working for himself following our system. That is the realization that I came to when, I, when Julie and I sold real estate. So we, we started out by just Julie and I. We sold over 100 houses. We got indoctrinated in this whole team buying leads, marketing, branding bullshit. We then started to basically follow that path. We indeed sold more houses. We indeed got more awards. We indeed got more recognition. We indeed were speaking on stages. We indeed had all that ego stuff started to come our way. Great. Awesome. And then we had the epiphany that we are making actually less net income than we did our first year when it was just Julie and I. Then we had to have the hard conversation with ourselves. Why are we doing this? And so what did we do? We fired our staff. We got rid of everybody. We went back to focusing on what, we, what actually worked. And then, yeah, we were more low-profile, that's true, but we were way happier, we had way more control of our time, and most importantly, we started to save money big time again, and we started to buy rental properties. We started to actually have a sense of financial freedom, and we broke free of that. So those of you who are in teams, believe me, I'm not just talking about all this from essentially saying I don't understand. I experienced it. And it's not just my experience. I'm, some of you are going to be skeptics and say, well, Tim and Julie just didn't know how to run a real estate team. Yeah, we did. We based our real estate team and how we did it, exactly how we did it, on the very same people that are inside page three of Gary Keller's book. A lot of those people are our friends from Howard Brenton. The model that you guys are copying, thinking that it's original, was basically copied from a same model that Howard Brenton had developed inside Star Power. It's been around for decades. It's never really worked if your goal is to make more than, say, 15 to 18% net profit as a team. That's the truth. And as leads have become more expensive 
uh, it, it just creates this hamster wheel of stress for the team leaders that just doesn't make sense. It's one of the very things that's broken in our industry is there's not enough profit. There's not enough focus on profit. Brokerages now are of the mindset that they don't actually have to make profit. I had conversations with some of the top brokers with thousands of agents in the country every day, and they're telling me that they have just come to accept that you know a 5 to 10% net profit is acceptable. What? Why would you be in that business? It doesn't make any sense. So listen, we have to start with the premise that everything that we're doing needs to be questioned and then we have to look to see and admit the fact that maybe we've made some decisions that aren't beneficial or working for us today. One of our you know, sayings is when the going gets tough, the smart leave. You maybe made great decisions in the past, but just because those decisions made sense in the past doesn't mean those decisions make sense now. So have the courage to question every single thing you're doing in your business, line by line, item by item, and actually, you know, Ask yourself if it makes sense. We do that. That's what we do. That's a lot of what a coach does. And we force you guys to have the difficult conversations oftentimes with yourselves. And if, you're, if indeed your focus is profit, if indeed your focus is having financial freedom, you know, in the Dave Ramsey style, I think, is a good place to start. If that is indeed your focus, then you have to question the dogmatic decisions that so many of you are having forced down your throats about buying leads and teams. I promise you there's a better way. There is. It's the same path that, by the way, the most successful agents in the country follow. And by successful, I mean the ones that are actually having profit from their businesses. Oh, you may not who they, know who they are because they don't do a lot of publicity because they don't have to. They have no interest in that. They know that that type of thing is not the same type of thing that leads to actually becoming wealthy. Think about this, guys. And look, if I'm offending you, be offended. Ask yourself why you're offended, and then maybe start your learning path there. So, Julie, I went off into a rant, but seriously, that email, <laughs> okay. I see it from both sides. Yeah. Okay, so to answer, listen, to answer Anonymous's question. So let's just answer Anonymous's question. This is going to become our radio show up for today, evidently. Here's my suggestion for you. You are, and I'm going to give a little bit more information without using names, you're in a family team. You married into a family team. You need to respect your father-in-law for having built this business. He made decisions back when he made decisions to build the team and all that, and he has provided a livelihood for a whole heck of a lot of people. He has provided a livelihood for you and his daughter and his, all the rest of it. Okay, So respect what he's created. I know you do. I read your email. Okay, So carrying that thought forward, if your choice is to not build or have a business or a lifestyle that's similar to his because you want to basically be focusing on maximum profit so you can reinvest it and you can save it, you know enough now to know that the model that he's using won't get you there. So you need to make a decision as a man. You either stay there and you suck it up and you respectfully do that business or you go out and you start and do your own thing. And if you choose to do the own, your own thing, you need to focus on becoming a listing agent. Focus on learning how to be a listing agent. We're in a market where, you know, it's always true being a listing agent is the most powerful thing, but the market we're headed into where the prices are going to start adjusting, where the sellers are going to start needing to have the services of someone who do just more than the basic stuff real estate agents do. When we really enter into a market like that in a noticeable way, skills in the listing agent side are going to be unbelievably powerful. Julie, any closing or any round-the-bend thoughts as I have a sip yeah, of my coffee? Yeah, well, I think you make such a great point, not just 
knowing, you know, it's funny when you ask most agents that have been buying leads and paying for this and that, you know, the ROI, usually they'll say, well, I spent this and, but it was okay. Cause I got three deals out of it. Right. <clears throat> You're talking about actually looking at not just what you spent and how many quote deals you got from it. You're talking about what was the net profit as a result. And I always point out when I have these conversations with agents and with coaches, it's not enough to just break even because if you're rationalizing it because, well, we broke even, so it's okay, we'll do it again next year. We didn't break even because there was work involved. You can't discount. I mean, think about your examples of how many deals you have to crank out and that you'd have to be doing $4 million plus to net the same that your interviewee did yesterday off of a million. It's not just the money aspect. It's cranking out so many deals and running that machinery and living through the stress of, you know, however many hundred or 200 or 300 transactions and finances and all this stuff. So I caution listeners to be very careful and very specific when you're actually running the math. As you listen to yesterday's interview, you know, he got down to brass tacks. He's not just saying, well, you know, I did a few deals from it. It's okay. It feels like I, you know, and, and then the other rationalization I hear from agents, Tim, is, well, you never know what it's going to come, what's going to come from it down the pipeline. Something ought to pan out, <clears throat> you know. Well, but, but not for but that the kind of expenditure. That, right? I mean, goodness. Yeah. Well, but Julie, Absolutely. look. So this again, I have total and complete sympathy for the people that are stuck in this paradigm, because it's really, yeah. really difficult. Heck, dude, we have this problem in our own business, right? You do something for so long, yeah. and then you have to just basically say, okay, maybe this sucks. Maybe there's a better way to do it, you know? But you've got to be doing that constantly because more than ever before, things are changing really fast. But so here's, like, you know, you mentioned something, and the, our uh, Mr. Anonymous, he actually mentions this in his email. Leads. Let's, you know, guys, drill down on what a lead is. You think leads have value. This, this is a mindset. A lead has value. A name, an email, a phone number has, has value. It doesn't. It has no value. It, it, honestly, it has no value. A pre-qualified lead, in other words, you have their motivation, you, you have you know, a sense of what their real time frame is, that they actually want to buy or sell, that has value. The orig- when you guys originally, when, we're, you know, when you saw the emergence of this lead, uh, lead buying, all these lead buying businesses about 10 years ago, lead selling businesses, right? When that started to happen, the leads that were being sent were actually good quality leads. They were leads of folks that were essentially 30 days or less and sometimes two weeks or less. They were really good. Those were valuable, no doubt. Julie and I, just to put this in reference, guys, back when we sold real estate, it was like your three or four, housevalues.com, some of you guys will remember them, came to town. And for probably about six months, 12 months, we bought seller leads from them. We are their only subscriber in town. Trust me when I tell you that worked really well. But as soon as they started bringing other agents in, as soon as they started saturating it, then sure enough, the lead quality went to hell. I've experienced it. I understand it. That's the reason we speak with authority. This is not just Tim and Julie, you know, the, I was going to say BSing, and we're not. We're telling you the truth. We're telling you the truth from personal experience proven by hundreds of thousands of coaching calls over the past, good Lord, Julie, basically 15, 20 years. So, guys, yeah. here's the thought for you. You're stuck in this paradigm, or some of you are trying to choose what path to go on. The lead thing, for example, you're being told that you're supposed to somehow put these leads in these long-term you know, crackpots, and eventually something's going to come out that's going to be you know, <laughs> healthy. That isn't the way. It does work sometimes. After, of course, if you have a billion people on a list, eventually something's going to bubble up. 
what, what that creates is a psychological, uh, almost like a, it's difficult to explain, but when you have a big list of leads and you actually believe or you've been sold to believe and told to believe that a certain percent of those, if you have 1,000 people on your list and you're sending them this campaign every single month for this amount of time, you're going to have approximately 10% of those people are going to become real estate transactions. Okay, but that doesn't mean they're going to become your real estate transactions because they're in 10 other agents' lists. Do you guys get it? Now, back in, you know, again, 20 years ago, this is what I'm talking about, when all this stuff started to really start to, you know, happen but the buying buyer leads thing that happened really about 2007 back when it actually originally started those ideas worked but now it's oversaturated it doesn't work like it did your leads the leads that you should be focused on just to make this very clear your when you find a seller and I'm going to give you guys your lead follow up rules right now don't forget it. it's very very simple when you find a seller that has to sell here's your lead follow up rule it's very simple like I said and this is kind of a joke, but it will make a point. You follow up with that seller until one of two things happen. They list with you or somebody else, or they file a restraining order against you. That's how aggressive I want you to be when you get a have-to-sell seller. What's a have-to-sell seller, Tim? Thank you for asking. A have-to-sell seller is a seller that has to sell. So when you talk to them and they say, I have to sell the house, I have to sell the house because we can't afford two houses. I have to sell the house because I just inherited it. I have to sell the house because we can't afford the payment. I have to sell the house because we just relocated. I have to sell the house because we're building a new one. It's closing in the spring. I have to sell the house. They'll, they'll actually say, I have to sell the house. When you have a lead like that, that's a really friggin' good lead. When you have a seller that's, ah, when pigs fly, if I can get my price, when whatever, whatever happens, those types of things, those types of leads – those aren't real sellers. If you, those of you, many of you now who are listing agents, go through the last 10 closings that you had and look at them. Ask yourself how many of the sellers that you had that actually listed and sold with you were want-to-sells or have-to-sells. In some markets, you might have 5% that are want-to-sells. Those will be your flippers and your investors. And if you're selling, in, like a lot of our uh, great coaching clients are selling out in Beverly Hills or in Manhattan, you will have genuinely wealthy people that it matters not if they sell a property or, or if they don't. I get it. That's fine. That's normal. But for the most part, you're going to find every single one of your transactions. Those guys had to sell. They didn't have a choice. So when you're pre-qualifying, when you're using our script, when you're asking the questions and you get a seller that has to sell, and our pre-qualifying script is designed, uh, members, so you can just fill in the blank as you ask the questions, you follow up with those guys until they list with you or somebody else, they file a restraining order against you. You cannot be too aggressive when you're following up with a have-to-sell seller. Is that clear, Julie? Absolutely, it's clear. I had a similar discussion with one of our great agents in Chicago, and we were discussing, you know, well, what would happen if interest rates went up? What would happen if this and if that? Common agent question, right? And so uh, we talked about when all of our parents and, and or grandparents, depending on your age, right? Um, you know, we have some millennials, for example. Um, you know, when they bought their house and it was 11% interest, 18% interest, 17% interest, to your point, People do have sellers, at least, have have-to-sell reasons. And, you know, we were talking about uh, this particular client when she bought her first house. She paid 11%, and I said, why did you do that? I mean, if you were to say that to somebody today, I'm sure every listener would be like, people do that, right? Well, she said, because I could and because she didn't want to rent anymore. So normal reasons, normal motivation, 
don't be so distracted all the time by what ifs. You know, what if it's the holidays? What if there's an interest rate? What if this president wins? What if that? You know, people move for for normal reasons as long as you've got qualification and motivation. And that's why we give you so many scripts. I was just, you know, uh, taking a new tour through our updated website yesterday, Tim. We've got so many scripts to help these guys out, it's not even funny. So if you're not using them, it's your own fault. But uh, back to you. You know, it's funny, Julie. We had a lot of folks that were freaking out about the rising interest rates or the fear of rising interest mm-hmm. rates. You just said something yep. that triggered a memory. So, uh, you know, Julie and I bought our first house when we were 22 and 23. We were basically right out of college, right about the same time we were getting into real estate. You know, that was really our kind of entry into real estate. And why did we get into real estate originally? Why did we, you know, it's because that first transaction, buying that house, was so horrible. <laughs> was so, like, it, we, we thought to ourselves, we had the epiphany that, as many of you have, I mean, all of you guys can relate to this, if that person did that little work and made that amount of money, we could do that too. It turns out we could. We sold over 100 houses our first year. But So here's the interesting thing. We had a 7% interest rate on that first house, and people were congratulating us. Yeah, <laughs> I do remember that. Fear of rising no. rates or fear That's right. or, or fear of a recession or fear of any of these other things. Those are just – don't worry about it. You can survive and thrive in any market. It, it doesn't really honestly matter. There will always be people that need to buy or sell real estate in any economic situation, in any part of the country, in any interest rate environment, in any presidential this or the other. Don't get suckered into believing you can only, get, you can only be successful when all the boats are rising. It's a lie. You can be successful no matter what, no matter where. Yeah, guys, listen, there's a path to follow. It's proven. Stop fighting it. Now, if your goal is to be super famous, be on billboards, be on moving trucks, you know, be, uh, you know, all that stuff, understand that you're probably going to exchange the money it takes to have that level of notoriety for the profit that you'd otherwise be using to invest in real estate and things like that. Do not be suckered into believing that being famous will produce more profit for you. Oftentimes in life, not just in real estate, you have to choose between fame or fortune. It usually does not come together. That's an interesting paradigm shift for a lot of you who are now down this you know, branding path. I, again, I get emails from a lot of you. Tim, I just don't know where I should be spending my money. Should I be spending it on branding or should I be spending it on leads? Or None of those. None of those things make any sense if your goal is to make profit. So, Julie, has, you know, this is definitely not what we had planned for the show today. But that we email digress. totally fired me up. <laughs> well, you know what's cool about that email is you and I can see it well, totally from both sides. Well, it's awfully Yeah, and we can see it from both sides. I mean, we lived, you know, as uh, single agents, small team, large team, downsized team, no team. You know, we have gone through the gamut of those different iterations. And, you know, these guys have so much more pressure also with, you know, the epic amount of places you could buy leads, for example. And, you know, back when we started, even having a transaction coordinator was an unusual expense, and now it's kind of an expected expense. So, you know, I caution them to really know what their bottom line is. And this is a great time of year for them to be getting their treasure map done and to really dive into that. Um, You know, part of the treasure map has what's called, quote, my financial situation. And it's also the most avoided part of the the treasure map because it causes you to really look at things and get into your expenses and question things and say, you know what, I might have spent that much, but what, what did I really net from that? And then you can make better decisions going into next year. And sometimes, yes, that decision means that you're going to make more money as a result of your upgraded skill 
versus forking over your visa number to try out a new lead company, if that makes sense. It does. And, yeah, guys, the, carry away from this radio show today the fact that you can be free, that you can be independent. You don't need to be dependent on buying leads. You don't need to be dependent on this idea that you have to have this big, expensive team. You don't need to follow any of those paths. Here's what scares me for some of you, most of you, is because of the fact you don't have anybody other than Julie and I that are telling you this, I think in many cases, painful truth, that you are going to follow these, these paths without actually having – remember how I told you guys we started to follow the path? Then we went to the Howard Brenton Conference. Then we were in that room in that fancy Ritz-Carlton. And then we started asking the people who we thought had their acts together, who we thought were really wealthy, who we thought were buying a bunch of investment properties <laughs> because they had these big teams. And we figured because they were selling hundreds of houses per year, we thought that they were rich. And then we had the little light bulb go off that none of them were, that they were all basically you know, having to run these big, massive teams, but they actually weren't netting crap. That's what actually happened. Unless you guys ever have an experience like that, which most of you never will, because most of you will never run into anyone that has a team that tells you what I just told you. So you'll never have the opportunity to have that learning experience that we just did unless you take seriously what I just told you. So what, fear, what scares me for all of you, in all sincerity, is that a lot of you are coming into this industry, and you're going to you know, follow these paths, thinking it's going to get you to where you're your goals are to have financial independence, to be free, and they're not. And you're going to question yourself, and you're going to be pissed off, and you're going to think you're a failure. You're going to think something's wrong with you. You're going to think all these things because you never stopped to question the path that you were on. You just trusted. You assumed that the broker, that the you know coach, that the guru, that the whoever knew what the hell they were talking about. And you're going to learn the hard way that they didn't, assuming your goal is to build wealth for yourself, be financially free, which at your core is what most of you are after. That's the reason you decided to take the risk of getting a real estate license and being your own uh, business owner. Look, guys, we intended to talk about the survey today, but this is better, isn't it? This is actually giving you useful information. Yeah, I'm going to get some, you know, we're going to get some emails. We're going to get some nasty Facebook comments, but it doesn't matter. We're telling you the truth till it hurts. That's our job. That is our moral, ethical obligation to all of you. So before you fire off the nastiness, just ask yourself, what is your true purpose in this business? And you know what? The fact is, is the nasties are only probably 1% of all of our listeners. A vast majority of you guys get it, or you're trying to get it, or you're starting to get it, <laughs> or I'm already con I'm preaching to the converted, I get it, <laughs> I get it. So listen, any show feedback, any ideas, any suggestions, any anything, email us directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. Uh, and don't worry, we'll pick up next week talking about the survey. Julie, anything you'd like to say to these guys as we round the bend from <laughs> our uh, – from our? Uh, yeah, I, I had fun with this. Well, Did you? Uh, absolutely, and it also shows them that we do absolutely pay attention to your email, your feedback, your special requests – you know, all of these topics that are so important, we do pay attention. And uh, I was just reminding myself next week, hopefully we'll have time on one of the shows to do a, uh, per Rochelle's request, a funny real yeah. estate story show, because I think between we'll get Rochelle on here and maybe some of the coaches, and I think that would be a pretty fun holiday week. Um, you know, I remember uh, ages ago when we were doing a lot of coaches training, we used to play at dinner the game Top That Real Estate Story, and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we'll put it into that format. Just to lighten yeah, things up. Yeah, I like it.
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, All right, guys. It. So your homework is, is with every radio show is to share this radio show with as many other people as you can. Listen, the reason that this is the number one, you know, Julie, this is the number, okay, top 20 um, business education podcast. The, mm-hmm. I showed you this list. This is iTunes. We're number 19. Yeah, awesome. The only people ahead of us are New York Times, Bloomberg News, um, Seth Godin's uh, blog, big, big, huge, you know, authors and publishers. It's just you look at this list, and there's number 19, little Tim and Julie and their podcast and their cadre of agents who listen to them every day. But guys, that's the power of you. You guys made that happen. There's literally hundreds of thousands of you that are listening or will listen to this podcast. Your homework, your assignment is help us to get the truth out about what's truly the way to build a successful real estate practice, assuming your focus is profit on investment, assuming your goal is to be financially free. If your goals are otherwise, frankly, we're probably not a good fit for you. If your goal is to be famous and you know not have any money, well, you know, go someplace else. We're not for you. If your goal is to basically Twitter and tweet your way to success and you're not willing to actually <coughs> – you know, belly up to the bar and actually do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, learn how to sell, learn to be successful, learn to run a successful, profitable business, then you know what? You guys can, you know, do other things. It's fine. We, it's no offense whatsoever. This industry is huge. There's many different ways to go about accomplishing whatever goals you guys might have. If there's ever anything we can do for you, please feel free to email us directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. Positive feedback is always welcome. It always makes us smile, you know, so send those first. <laughs> Show ideas, uh, folks we should be interviewing, anything and everything that will help you guys in your real estate ascension, please email us. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.